You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 41 of You Play A What. I hope all of you are doing well. All the best to the band directors, students, and anyone involved in the SYF in the coming weeks. In the episode last week, I spoke about my experience with the SYF, so if you're interested, please feel free to have a listen. Now, moving on to this week's episode, this week I spoke to Min Hui, who is currently a run musician with the Singapore Chinese Orchestra, winning the job at the age of 21 straight out of university, which is an extremely rare occurrence, particularly how young she was when she got the job. On this episode, we roll back the years as we spoke about her special practice space when she was studying in NAFA, the months leading up to the SEO audition, and the equally challenging part of surviving the job after winning it, and her thoughts about suffering burnout as a professional musician. Minhui is just one of several successful Chinese music instrumentalists who has had a great career in the music industry during my time in NAFA. She shared her thoughts about what could have contributed to this success and the importance that she found a group of like-minded peers who are equally passionate about music as she is. Thank you once again for tuning in. Enough from me now. Please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Min Hui. My guest today has proven to me that winning an orchestral job straight out of music school is not some unrealistic tale from a foreign land. It can actually work out for you if you put in the work and the universe just happens to line up with you. Welcome to the show, Min Hui. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. <laughs> Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out to chat with me. And of course, uh, recently we bumped into each other. Uh, while we are having coffee. So really nice to see you again and chat with you and know that you're mm-hmm. doing really well. Let's just get things uh, rolling, okay? And I'm going to go out of my usual format a little bit here and just come out off the cuff and say that Minhui and I met when I attended NAFA quite a few number of years ago. And uh, I believe she was probably a year ahead of me in the diploma course. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you, you're a year ahead of me. And of course, you return for your bachelor's once you finish your diploma. Yeah, so it was, but I was the last year of the the Wales, the University of Wales one. Yeah. So I spent four years. On- yeah. And of course, then we ended up leaving school at the same time because I had Is to, it? I finished my diploma and then I Oh. Yeah, so that's right. three years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't, do not know, 
during the time that we were in school, uh, Nafa was a slightly different place. Uh, you could, number one, practice at any point when you can find a space for yourself as long as nobody complained. And then secondly, we had unofficial <laughs> instrument storage rooms that was... Um, we, we don't have to say, but we just know that, oh, that room is for the low brass, that room is for the Chinese instrument, that room is for all... Yeah, so we had all these uh, predetermined uh, <laughs> rooms. And I remember in, in the past, we had to go down to the office, which used to be in level four. Now they are on level seven. So we had to go down and we have to write a maximum. Maybe we can do like a two-hour slot each time or something like that. And yeah. there, there will be maybe two rooms or a room that is just all the Chinese instrumentalist name on it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh my God. It was at level six, actually. Yes, yes, yes. At the board, right at the list. Ah, area. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my God. those were the least. Yeah, wonderful times, right? So, and you, literally, I think you step in the room, you probably want to step out quite quickly. There's just no room for you to even turn your body, right? It's just like instruments everywhere. But of course, they, they've cleaned everything up now. People or students are not supposed to do that anymore. They've got the luxury of hiring a locker now so they can keep all their stuff in the locker. So one of my first encounters with you was you practicing along the corridor. And specifically, it was like near the fire lift, right? The, near, ah. the, near the exit to the fire lift. And I thought that, oh, maybe I'll just see her for a day. And then the next day I came back, you're there. And then the, the following <laughs> day I came back, you're still there. And then it pretty much became a little bit strange if I don't hear some strumming coming from that corner. So <laughs> let's uh, talk about like how and why you picked that spot for practice and how it became a thing. Hmm. Actually, I go to any corner that I can find as long as like one of those corners are free, I can just go there. Right. But the the, the spot near the the fire lift, right? Mm. That one is because sometimes we have lessons in the pink room. Yes. So it's easier to go over or like it's easier for us to just come out and practice for a while and then go back <laughs> in for class. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah when, so, when the class gets a little bit boring, right? Yeah, you just need to get out for a while. Yeah, why would you care about Mozart at all, <laughs> right? So you just head out there for a breather and then, yeah, do some practice. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, of course, I think your, your practice room pretty much revolved around these little corners on the sixth floor. Apart from that, it's in the computer lab back then. No, level five as well. Like the corners at level five. Right, right. So, okay. So whenever I don't see you, you're probably there somewhere <laughs> yeah so I, you know what one of the the fondest memory uh, i had of you is back when the time where there was this particular facebook game called restaurant city oh my god <laughs> is this <laughs> am i bringing back a lot of memories yes <laughs> yeah like oh. um so when we were playing all these games we also uh, it's a facebook game right so we see all our friends and where they have progress and where they have uh, how far they are ahead of you or behind you and stuff like that so uh -huh. within a, a short period of time you are easily like number one in my friends list <laughs> like 
I don't think I'm second, but whoever is second is like, don't even bother, right? You're not going to get anywhere close to that. Yeah, then one, once, I think it was a Saturday, I came back to school. I went into the computer lab and I think you were just practicing and then the game was just running in front of you. Yes. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, I remember those yeah, days. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, okay. So that's the reason. <laughs> Where you can multitask, right? At the same time. And you don't have to worry about people doing like stupid things like changing a Facebook name or like adding a <laughs> random status, right? Because you left your, your Facebook without logging out. Yeah. 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 But these were all really good times. Very, very good times. Yeah. Yep. So the next thing, first of all, congratulations uh-huh. on your 10th year with the Singapore Chinese Orchestra. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. Yes. And actually... Catching up with you recently, then I realized that you've been with the orchestra for such a long time. I mean, oh. 10 years is, uh, is, I mean, pretty substantial amount of time. <laughs> Let's roll back the years a little bit and talk about the moment that you found out that you've gotten the position in the orchestra. How do you feel? Was it all super positive or were there moments of like, oh, now this is the real, the real gig, right? Pressure is on. What was it like for you? Well, it was very scary, actually. Okay, so, so that during my my degree year, which is because we only had one year of degree, mm-hmm. so it was uh we had to squeeze everything that you all do in two years in one year. Mm. Yeah, so we literally don't have any time to do anything else except practice and then just rush our theses and everything. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, I had three very important events happening within two months. So okay. the first event was my first concerto with, the, at that point of time, it was Singapore Youth Chinese Orchestra. Okay. Uh-huh. Then uh, two weeks later, it was my final recital. And then after that, I think it was one week later or two weeks later, it was the auditions for SEO. Nice. Right. So it was immense pressure. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die. Like, I I cannot I cannot see myself pass like oh, this, these three events. Okay. Yeah. So. And and what? Sorry, were, were all these like different repertoire? Were you recycling anything at all? No. Or was it? All different repertoire. And total, how many minutes of music, roughly? Uh, recital was forty-five. Okay. Then the concerto was ten, and then okay. the the auditions was two choice pieces, which was maybe maybe twelve minutes, and then the orchestra excerpts. Wow. Okay, yeah. so so basically more than an hour of music yeah. that you have to kind of nail down yeah. in preparation for this. Okay. Yeah, so right. it was uh, very stressful, uh, but then, you know, once you clear one, you're like one down, two to go, and then it just hits on, keep going, keep going. Mm. And then the, 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 the auditions day finally came. Then yeah. I was like, uh, I think there were eight people or seven people during the auditions. Right. I was the only Singaporean. Okay. I was like, oh my god. And all these people, they are like, uh, we know them because they are like of teacher standard in China. Okay. Right. Kind of in China, from Taiwan, from Hong Kong. Yeah. Mm. Then uh, there were a few that were already performing solo, like um, everywhere, that kind. Okay. So like when you see them, you're like, oh my god, Gigi. Mm. <laughs> I'm not gonna make it but then yeah. for some reason just because uh, at that point of time I was 
performing quite a bit. Mm. So like live performance wise, it was less stressful. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. I guess I, I made it true. <laughs> right. Right. And did you walk out of the audition having like a good feeling? Did you feel like, okay, I played like pretty well, quite close to my expectation and right now it's in their hands or do you walk out feeling that like, wow, you know, wow, <laughs> let's try again in a few years time. What, how, what was it like? The first round was, wasn't, wasn't very good. Like I, I, I didn't feel as if it was like, I can make it kind of level. Because okay. uh, there were a few mistakes la, and then uh, you just, I don't know, maybe I had the, the peer pressure, like when you see all the better better players and you're like, oh, I cannot, I cannot, I really cannot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but okay. then the, and oh, the second round, which was the sight reading and excerpts and interview, you know, interview was the next one. So hmm. it was sight reading and excerpts. Like the uh remaining excerpts, yeah. Uh, that round, when we went in for the side reading, we only had, I think, three minutes to read, uh, B four, paper, okay, like like newly written thing, right. Then, when me and the other person who made it to the second round came out, mm. the administration came to us and said, "Um, I'm sorry, but the score was written." one octave higher. So you need, no, one octave lower. So you need to play one octave higher. And we are like, I don't even remember what I played just now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so it was like, it was like a gamble. Like we just went in and like, just do it. Side read, side transpose and everything on the spot. Yeah. Okay. So, so the the second round was a total disaster. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, I I mean, I'm I'm sure like you are selling yourself a little bit short there. It probably wasn't that bad, right? Otherwise, (laughs) you would have landed your job. (laughs) It was truly that disastrous. Maybe. I I don't know. Like, (laughs) I have my doubts. (laughs) Right, right, right. Okay. But uh, good on you. And whatever it is, uh, you were given the opportunity and you ran with it. And yeah, 10 years. Does it feel surreal to you that you've been working as a, in, in the orchestra for 10 years now? Yes, definitely. Like, um, you know, like, because uh, you grow together with the orchestra and then meanwhile, you have friends joining uh, maybe like four years, five years into your job. Mm. And they say, oh, I'm five years ready. Then you think about it. Oh my God, I'm 10 years ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's not even something that it should be shameful, but it's just like, man, where's all the time You just feel very gone, old. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's different. You want the job young, right? That, that's the uh, difference. Yes. Yeah. I, I got it on my birthday week. My 21st birthday week. Has any <laughs> birthday been better than that? Uh, every every subsequent one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, you know... One of the the things that has hit this uh, Western music uh, or Western classical music world quite hard is, of course, a lot of orchestras uh, were forced to kind of go, uh, force the musicians to take a break, uh, musicians getting uh, furlough, or to more extreme cases, orchestras closing down and not functioning anymore, which is, of course, a very sad thing. 
uh, how is it like uh, internationally for Chinese orchestras? Uh, are you guys facing the same sort of problem? Has any of your colleagues based overseas suffered this uh, same kind of treatment? Mm, so far, nowhere. Like, mm. um, from what I know in China, like when they had the lockdown, so the, the rest of them, they didn't have work. Right. So some of my friends came back. But then uh, after they went back, which is, I think they went back in August, maybe August, September, they had to go back to work and mm. pay back the quota. So whatever performance that they missed out uh, earlier that year, they had to okay. pay back. Like every, one, every two to three days, they have like one concert. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so I don't think for for China it's that, uh, like they they don't really have like firing people, and stuff like mm. that. Yeah. Okay. Then right. for Taiwan, it wasn't that bad. Like performances mm. and work still went on, because, yeah. uh, when the when COVID hit, they actually locked the country, so okay. not many people, like not much, um, tourists going in and out. I actually don't really have at all. Then, mm. uh, also, life was as per normal for them. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Whereas for Hong Kong, uh, there's, I think they also stopped working for a while. Then okay. after that, they upped their online game. Mm. So they started posting very, very cool videos. Like actually, actually everywhere they also started posting good videos. Like, right. Yeah. Because um, I feel that Chinese music is more... Uh, there are a lot of older generation ones, uh, yeah. people. So mm. uh, people are quite um, reluctant to try online video stuff last time. Okay. Only after COVID, then they are like, okay, I have to try this. And not, no one will watch my performance and stuff like that. Yeah. So people open up their doors, mm. which I think is good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, you, you kind of force the the hands, right? You have to adapt to, to this. I mean, the, the change is going to happen. It's just a matter of time and mm-hmm. how long later. So, mm-hmm. yeah, having this opportunity to, yeah, just up the the online presence is never a bad thing uh, mm. in this day and age, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Good stuff. So, I, I mean, lovely to hear that most of your colleagues, so it sounds like they're quite protected, just that they have to, to pay back whatever that they have owned, which is, I think is fair. Mm. Yeah. So all good on, mm. on that side of things. Yeah. yeah. So now let's talk a little bit more about you and let's go through your musical journey and your <laughs> career developments, which I'm sure will be extremely exciting. It's going to be a very long story though. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. You have all the time in the world. Okay. So first, um, I started learning this instrument. No, actually I didn't really start learning this instrument because I wanted to learn this instrument. So I, I watched like the school, like at that point of time in my primary school, they were setting up the orchestra. So mm. the instructors were the ones performing on stage. So I was like, okay. wow, so interesting. Why not? Like, ju- I just try. Mm. So I went and then my dad was like, okay, you go and learn pipa. Then I'm like, what is pipa? Only you know pipa gao. Right. <laughs> pipa gao. <laughs> then he's like, Oh, a pipa is like a very nice instrument. It looks very nice. It sounds very nice. 
And I'm like, uh, okay, uh, what? <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. let's just <laughs> go. And then okay. the instructor was like, oh, sorry, there's no pipa here. So oh. luckily, there's no yeah. pipa. And luckily. then I got... <laughs> <laughs> Why is your colleagues going to think about your statement? Mm. Or is your feelings quite well personal, known to them already? Personal preference. Personal. <laughs> I prefer the run sound. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, so um, the instructor happened to be a, a run teacher. Mm. So she was like, oh, why, why not you you can consider this instrument? And I'm like, uh, okay, looks weird. So um, I'll think about it. So <laughs> this other instructor right. who was assessing like all our hands and like, um, usually, uh, I don't know how they choose for di, di zi, but mm. they'll look at the lips. I don't know if it's like thick is better or thin is better. Okay. That, that kind. Yep. Then they'll look at hands. So this instructor said, oh, my hands is... um." more meaty so okay. you just go for like run sounds good so i i got into run anyway so okay. when i first started i was like uh, okay interesting but mm, okay but yeah the not super excited about it instrument. yeah okay. so so the, the the instructor was like actually i think you are making good progress do you want to take private lessons mm. so and then she said uh nafa was having this school of young talent Thing. Yeah. So she asked me to join. So I was like, uh, okay, just just go lah. Like I also don't know what to do. Just go lah. Yeah. Then, uh. And your par- parents were supportive. Yeah. When when they they knew about the the news. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. um, my sister learns piano and my brother learns the violin. Okay. Well. Yeah, my sister oh. graduated from Nafa also. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But um, so many many years rebel. ahead. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then my SYT days started. That was how I got to know um people like Derek and Yvonne as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we practically grew up together with Kai um Rit Rit also. Yeah. Mm, actually, a lot of a lot of them are in SYT, but anyway, mm. so we all grew up, and then after that, I got to know about SYCO because it's also their first year. Their launch. Oh, Right. Yeah, 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 their launch okay. of SYCO. Right. Mm. Then I went to join and then got to know more people. Okay. And then like like-minded people. Mm. Yeah, then eventually after secondary school, I was thinking between whether I should go bartending, which is something I'm very passionate about, but I haven't wow. actually started anything about it. Okay. <laughs> and music. So I between see. these two. Okay. Then my mom was like, uh, why not you just follow your sister's footsteps? Just go to Nafa. Right. Ah, okay. And and have regular sleeping patterns, right? <laughs> regular. Hmm. Regular. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you're taking the first steps to, to get used to, to that kind of lifestyle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, eventually I got into Nafa. And then, I think through Nafa, I got to know a lot of like, not just Chinese music itself. Like, okay, for Chinese instrumentalists, right, we we know we have to learn Chinese um, music history and stuff like that. Yep. But I never understood why we were forced to take Western history. Mm. But during NAFA, you get to know, actually knowing um, West, uh, Western history, right, it helps in, in terms of our perspective of how we look at Chinese music history as well. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I think there's a lot of um, eye-opening moments in Nafa. Mm. 
Mm. Then, yeah, a lot of interesting people also. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So this thought about you know having, uh, actually learning a little bit of uh Western music history is beneficial, uh, mm-hmm. on for the way you perceive me uh Chinese music as well. Is this something that you realize on hindsight and like when you're doing it, it's just like you're not feeling it at all. And only after you left and they realized that oh, actually, you know, having, you know, a little bit of uh, Western music theory and Western music history is not the end of the world. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Like, mm. um, for, for me, sometimes, uh, actually it happens both. One is like during, when I was learning um, Western music history, they're like, I learned for what? But then, <laughs> um, after that, you, you get to bring the relations because... Um, in SEO we do a lot of different music mm. so I think in that um, like if I didn't learn much about um, western music history I won't know as much when I play mm, okay. mm. so that, I that's see. how it helped me in a way but mm. uh, to understand like at the point of time when I was learning I think uh, the timeline of it Will some some of the the things that happen will affect whatever the Chinese uh music history like okay. how, how to say like, so parallel to the timeline whatever that is happening in Europe will also affected the in Chinese a way, music okay. in a way yeah okay I okay. I feel right so hmm. so you you get to pull the strings and understand oh so this is how it is uh, yeah okay okay. Nice, nice. Okay, so life after Nafa, the exciting part. Mm. <laughs> uh, actually, I I wouldn't say it's like the exciting part. I think it's a different life. Mm. Like you, you feel that um, being in SEO is, I don't know, some people think it's uh, flamboyant. Like it's a very glamorous life, but uh, <laughs> to a certain extent, okay. it is because mm-hmm. um performing on stage as a national orchestra is a is a different level from where we were. Mm. Yeah, but then yeah. um being the national orchestra, you need to perform a lot of things that other people don't do as well. Okay. So, do I like it? Uh. No, not really. Right. <laughs> like, right. Uh, there, there are things that I really don't like playing, mm. but we have to do it because yeah, the national orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. And to to a certain extent, this is the, um, uh, I guess the the downside of having a job, right? Because mm. at the end of the day, this is a job, plain yeah. and simple, yeah. right? You strip away all the the, the so called like I said the the glamour or the prestige of being in uh national orchestra mm. you, you you take that all away you know it is a job and you have to turn up and you have to be professional mm. doesn't matter you um, it's not about being <laughs> your true self showing yeah. that you hate what you're doing or you you don't you're not feeling this particular gig but you just turn up and then you just be professional you just do the job and then you go back home yeah right yeah yeah but um on the brighter side um being in SEO uh, because there are a lot of teachers, right? Then you get to learn a lot of things. 
not just performing wise, but like um when you are teaching outside, when you mm. meet up with um problems that you don't know how to solve or like maybe students that you don't know how to handle. Yeah. Sometimes when you talk to them, they will tell you how they do it. Mm. Yeah, because after all, they are all very experienced, man. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. All of them are like big and huge pedagogues, right? Who have been teaching for for such a long time. Yeah. And they've like encountered uh, plenty of students. Mm. And actually, what you mentioned just now initially about joining the youth orchestra was quite interesting. Which is you realize that you were hanging out with a lot of like-minded peers, mm. people who also share the same interests in mm. uh, music, people who are a little bit kind of crazy and <laughs> would geek out and stuff like that. Uh, going away from the National Orchestra in your own secondary school, do you feel that you are a little bit of like an odd one out in terms of how enthusiastic you were? And could you, was it difficult for you to, to understand why certain people are not practicing uh, at at that point of time, were you kind of like some sort of like drill sergeant kind of person? That's yes. Like, why are you not practicing? Why are you not doing this? You should yes. practice. You know. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> so so during my secondary school days, I I guess I I didn't understand this this part. Like, mm. to me, I was like, since you are here for practice, why don't you just practice? But to some yeah. people, they are just here to talk to their friends. Yeah, like it's like a social <laughs> kind kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When so, they, they turn up for CCA. Yeah, Definitely. so so I actually quarreled with um quite a few seniors about it. Okay. Yeah, and they're seniors, you know, so yeah, like uh. <laughs> but right, anyway right. I did. So um like there there were times whereby uh there are parts that they don't know. So they were asked like, Oh, how do I do this? So I'll explain once, explain twice, and then third time I'll just flare up. Why you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So right. I mean I I'm sorry about it, but uh, I mean, say hi to hi so right, right. <laughs> please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, uh, I mean, the, the fact that we chose to to pursue music at some point, we were probably the more uh, enthusiastic people inside mm. uh, the CCA, and it's only normal that things like that will happen. <laughs> I mean, I had my <laughs> my fair share of uh, uh, th- this sort of uh, encounters as well. Yeah. But uh, definitely, I think uh, then you feel almost kind of more at home in a way when you go out and then you meet people who are also, oh, gee, there's a group of people that feel so strongly about what they do uh, or or about music and stuff like that. Yeah. I I felt like family when I first got into NAFA. Mm. Like, everyone understands me. (laughs) That's that feeling, you know. Correct, but correct. even in SICO last time, there were people who don't practice. I mean, there were people who practice very hard also. But mm. because of the people that don't practice, it just feels a little bit off sometimes. Like, okay, I'm still human. But yeah. when I go into NAFA, I'm like, oh my god, everyone's a geek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. who sits in a practice room for hours, right? <laughs> and and practice and do that one thing for, for hours. Yeah. Right. And then maybe sometimes after they go home, they still think about it. Well, yeah, uh, people of a, a very particular career do that. <laughs> uh, so based on what you're saying about how you feel about being in orchestra and of course the, the real need to be, be professional and uh, just turn up and do the job, to the best 
possible ability, no matter what. Do you feel like there's a difference between your interest in playing the run versus the interest in playing in an orchestra? Because I've attended a few uh, summer classes whereby the teacher who plays in one of the most famous orchestra in the world and just says and come out and says that, you know, I'm not that passionate about playing in orchestra. I don't care for the Mahler symphonies, but I just like playing the trombone. And, you know, and and to, to a certain extent, I, I do understand and I can relate with that because when you play the trombone, you kind of have control over every single thing that you're doing. But of course, we know that working in an orchestra, uh, artistic freedom sometimes is a little bit limited. Mm. Or some would say that there's no artistic freedom because uh, the conductor decides every single thing. So uh, what what's your, your ratio or what's your, your thought about this uh, two sort of interests? Are they interlinked together? I like both. I like mm. both playing the run and playing in an orchestra. Because mm. um, playing the run, right, is like, it's, it can be my way of conveying my emotions at that point of time. Mm-hmm. But playing in an orchestra is understanding people's needs in, in, in a way. So, okay. like, um, I like to read a conductor a lot. Okay. Mm. So, um, different conductors have different interpretations. And, like, um, for SEO, we have three conductors, right? They are very, very different. Mm. And some sometimes they when their emotions take over them, they do different things. Different okay. from what they usually do. Okay. So that okay. those are the moments that you oh you know, uh, like you, yeah. you get to understand someone more. So yeah. in my opinion, I like to do that because not just I see how they they um interpret certain things you see how people react differently to what they interpret as well. Mm, okay. Mm. So it's like people watching in a orchestra setting. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and- I, I quite like it because, okay, um, like you don't have artistic freedom to, uh, during a orchestra setting, right? That is mm. true to a certain extent. Okay. If your artist, if your artistic interpretation is it happens to be the same as the conductor then you can give a bit more what yeah if it yeah. aligns yeah yeah mm. but okay um most of the time it doesn't lah, but if it does <laughs> then it's is is that, that that moment that makes orchestra playing fun okay yeah like it can happen like once in maybe a thousand concerts but mm. that once will be very memorable right mm. right uh, do, do you, for you personally, do you feel like apart from having a job in the orchestra that you are always kind of looking for, for side projects to do that would allow you to have a little bit more ex- uh, creative expression uh, or is is that enough playing for now? Like just working in the orchestra, that's busy enough, you know? Nope. Yeah. Do you, nope. do you face such... Uh, uh, dilemmas or do you face such questions and or, or are you seeking out these things uh, I love playing with friends so mm-hmm. whenever we have a chance or we have the time to 
or if we have the opportunity to perform something, then yes, definitely yes, like just go for it. But if, because sometimes we are so caught up with teaching, mm. it's very hard to um, schedule time together to rehearse. Yeah. Yeah. So like sometimes um, prior to COVID, right? Sometimes we have concerts. Uh, no, actually we have concerts every, almost every week in SEO. Like we had, I think about 120 maybe, 120 concerts a year. Mm. So that was like every three days one concert. Okay. Yeah, and the repertoires are always different. I see. Yeah, so, so it was very hard to schedule time. But if time allowed, which is like now, We'll mm-hmm. try to do as much as we can. Uh? Yeah. Mm. Nice, nice. Sounds good. And now, uh, with music students and us studying music college, right? I mean, particularly for me, there was a period of time in my life when I was in the UK that I was kind of on the verge of like, you know, I'm I'm done. I'm going to finish this course and then we'll see <laughs> what Where happens when I go back to Singapore. Maybe, uh, probably not doing something related to music. But of course, it changed after uh, my circumstances in the UK changed as well. Maybe some musicians, they've always had these aspirations of maybe landing a job in an orchestra. And perhaps sometimes they set this, uh, like you said initially, there's this sort of prestige and this glamorous lifestyle uh, that they were expecting when they get there. And once they get there, maybe they fall flat a little bit because it's not quite what they expected and the, the demands of the job and what is required of them is not quite what they have imagined. And then they sort of like do sort of start a spiral and lose interest in, in the, in, in the profession. Mm. So have you seen like colleagues or friends that uh, suffered burnout after they've gotten a job in an orchestra? Yes. <laughs> um, I think, think I had it myself mm-hmm. and it could still be going on actually uh, but because of this COVID thing things loosen up a bit so less I have that, that feeling lesser but okay like uh, there, there are a lot of um, times whereby you just feel like uh, am I going to continue doing this like is this really what I want that, mm. that, that kind of feeling yeah but um so so okay so what i did was i asked a few teachers whether they've had this kind of experience mm. then uh, there were a few they tell me like uh prior to coming to singapore they actually left their job in the china orchestra because mm-hmm. they had a burnout also so they went okay. to do other things like they cut ties completely with music to do like something else like sales girl or like uh, open a cafe that kind wow okay yeah so they went ahead and then they realized like um into the job like two three years into the job mm. they realized they really don't like it they really just prefer playing music okay yeah so they they came back and then then they saw the the auditions for SEO and then they mm. were like why not I just change a place to to do music maybe Maybe my, my perception changes as well. So they mm. came over. Okay. Then they stay until now, which is like, I think 20 years already. Right. right. Mm. Okay. 
Nice. And yeah, I was actually, uh, <laughs> because sometimes when you speak to these teachers, if they're from the previous generations, uh, their, their mindset sometimes is a little bit different from us in a way that they think that, you know, you have work, then you just do it. But I, I guess for for musicians and for artists, we tend to already think a little bit differently from other people uh, that we we are always looking for this um, thing or that um, kind of speaks to us in a way, right? Sparks our interest, challenges us and stuff like that. Uh, I guess I, I could kind of understand what you were trying to say. And it's just that when you look and you try to imagine 10 years down the road, what is the, the progression and what is the trajectory and uh. where would you be that point in your life and what sort of work would you be doing? Yeah. And could you carry on doing this for X number of years? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that throws a lot of uh, very deep and <laughs> questions that you question about your your life and your career choices, right? Mm. But I feel that like we all started um, because we like this, this, this profession, right? Like this mu- music itself. So mm. I think it's not that difficult for us to rekindle and reset ourselves. Yeah. Because ultimately, there will still be this little flame in there. Mm. You just have to go and find it and ignite it more. Yeah. yeah. Make it catch fire again, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Last thing about your your job or this life as an orchestra musician, right? So I, I think, uh, like I said, things come fast and furious, you know? And you have to, after one concert, there's no break, right? There's, it doesn't slow down. You just keep going and going and going. Uh, what, what I realized as well in the, the UK conservatories is that the rehearsal time for each project is actually really short as well. So they design it in a way whereby it is kind of like a professional setting where the school orchestra will get together for maybe a maximum of maybe, I say, four to six rehearsals. And then it's a gig. Although it's a school gig, but then that's that's the way it's it's designed. Of course, I, I believe, like you said, in the SEO situation, the time for preparation is even shorter. Uh, was there a challenge for you adapting to this? Because I believe in NAFA, it wasn't like that, right? Things mm. don't, it's not at that sort of pace. We do like maybe, uh, at least for the wind band, like one concert a term or something like that. Mm, so yeah. we've got plenty of rehearsals for one concert. Yeah. yeah. So how was that for you? Initially, it was exciting. It was like, like running after a bus every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. but because of that, um, you tend to, because uh, I, I think we all have this, this perfectionist in us. So like, mm. you, you tend to want to uh, deliver more than you think you can. That's one. And then mm. second is you don't want to lose out to people. Right. So so you force yourself to do it. So when like when you see your colleagues all like because they're all very lao jiao, then mm. you just don't want to lose out. So yeah. you, you push yourself even far like further, like mm. more than you can sometimes. And then you realize that actually I can do it what? Mm. So like you you tend to like be able to uh catch up very fast actually i think that mm. was like the the steepest learning curve for me when i got into seo okay yeah like uh because first is a lot of concerts 
Second mm. is, you need to be able to digest all the songs uh, within a very short period of time and mm. be at the same level as your colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. Which they might have played the song before already. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. oh, very interesting point of like time in my life. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that also the rehearsal process is really quick, right? Mm. If you go go through once, no problem, next. And yeah. then if you make a blip somewhere and then, can, can we, no, you don't get to try it again, right? Uh, no, people will stare at you and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, then you ought to up your game, right? So yeah. <laughs> to avoid the, the stares and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And, uh, Nothing but, worse than the whole orchestra turning around. Yeah. I guess. But, yeah. but also, um, sometimes uh, I don't know if they, they have it in like other orchestras, but for SEO, mm. sometimes you can ask for the scores. If you know, like, you have like important parts in certain songs, then uh, you can ask for the scores earlier. Okay. And then, so you have the luxury of time radio. Mm, so you prepare. practice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. And now, uh, this perhaps an even bigger question is, uh, I, I wouldn't say the easy part is getting the job. It's also very challenging. But the next difficult part of the job is to uh, survive the job, right? Mm. So to, to navigate this uh, world of a professional orchestra, uh, apart from obviously high level of uh, instrumental proficiency, what do you think one should look to develop or possess in order to have a good or decent career? in orchestra? Mm. I think the ability to uh, tell people apart and deal with politics, okay. <laughs> in my opinion. Because yeah. I think um, a lot of us, we, we care about the art more than dealing with people, but we always fail because of the people. Mm. Like, um, many of the times we get backstabbed and everything. Not because we are not doing our part um, artistically, but because mm. we are not dealing with the, the people part. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I personally, I really hate uh, dealing with people because mm. like, uh, I, I cannot please everyone. Yeah. But yet, people whom you are working with sometimes want you to do that. Uh, mm. Especially in the setting that I'm in. Yeah, so like um, sometimes you can only just really just do your part and then you make sure that uh, whatever you are doing artistically cannot be faulted mm. or try not to be faulted. Like yeah. at least 90%, yeah. then 10% is just all out of fate, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, take each step very carefully. Yeah. Right, okay. So I, I guess these are all sort of um, skills to develop over time, right? Mm. I'm sure when you first joined the orchestra, you probably heard some stories and, and things like that. But uh, it's only when you, you start experiencing it or seeing it live happening in front of you mm. uh, that you know that, oh, okay, so this is how you, you're supposed to handle these sort of situations. And, yeah, and, and especially like I think um, being... Um, uh, growing up in Singapore, we are all mm. molded to be very honest about things. Okay. Um, yeah. Sometimes straightforward. So, mm. so sometimes when we talk and everything, 
we have to be careful who we are talking to. Uh, because people will just twist your words. Mm. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. Uh, just have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Fair enough. But I'm sure if there are any uh, Singaporeans enter the orchestra, uh, at least you are there. Sort of, sort of guide them a little bit. Right? Or just throw shit so that they don't get... <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, either way. Yeah, so... Cool. Uh, apart from your work at orchestra, obviously you're a very active uh, teacher, uh, mm. instructor of your instrument, both uh, in the youth orchestra and mm. also I believe in secondary school as well. Mm. Uh, and school. there are bound to be uh, students that come up to you and tell you that you know I'm thinking of pursuing music as a career. I I'm, I'm like really I really want to do this and things like that. Uh, occasionally I get a couple of students that's like that. Uh, not very often because it's euphonium, but um, I right now uh, in in the past I would just say yeah I mean go do what you want to do man like just go for it and stuff like that. Uh, in in recent times I tend to be a bit more apprehensive when it comes to telling them just yeah go for it and and stuff like that. I personally I'm not a fan of receiving a pep talk. So I remember when I was going to start studying music, there were people who were saying that, you know, what, what do you want to do at the end of it and stuff like that. Some questions that basically they're really difficult for an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old that you don't want to answer and just want to do what I want to do. Mm. Yeah. So I, I right now I find it difficult because I am afraid of their career prospects when they graduate. You know, so th- this is a, a real concern, right? As a teacher, you don't want to give out... Uh, I'd say, yeah, and and a, a little bit unresponsible in your in your advice, mm. like oh my teacher said yes and I should do this and then now that I'm in it and he's just washing hands off everything, mm. I get no gigs from him, I get no opportunities from him, like nothing at all. So it becomes quite difficult. How do you approach this actually when when students come up and ask for your advice? Mm. I'll ask them to think very carefully, like um. Because recent, uh, not really recently, like last December, I had a, a lecture with the Singapore Youth, uh, Singapore National Youth Chinese Orchestra. Then we were talking about it. So there, there were students asking like, um, do you, like how how do you like why did I choose to go to, uh, do, go do music? I said I I didn't actually think of the outcome when I started doing music. Mm. I just wanted to do so I just went ahead. And mm. I think anyone who wants to do music, you need to think very carefully. <laughs> because uh, unlike myself. Because mm. now that there are so many so many graduates from uh, local universities, from overseas universities coming uh to Singapore, like coming mm. back to Singapore, the 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 pie is just so big. Like, um, if you want a part of it, you need to be very good at what you are doing. Yep, for yeah. sure. And then, uh, you need to see, uh, or unless you can like come up with new, uh, uh a new pie, like yeah. a, a another find your own niche in the market or something. Like yeah, that. or or just do something else that no one has been doing. Mm. Like you need you need to think about how you can do all this while building yourself. 
Like, you cannot wait until you finish building yourself, which is like when you're graduating, then you go and think about what you want to do after that. So if you have all this thought out, then you weigh your priorities or whether you think uh, by doing this thing, it makes you happy. But can happy can happiness pay your bills? Mm. Mm. So all, all these things, I think, uh, uh, if a student talks to me about it, I'll list out and then we'll talk about it. Uh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And of course, apart from just the rigor to, to really understand what you're signing up for when mm. you attend music school, right? Mm. Because it's like, after you're done with your your classes and stuff like that, you still have to go ahead and practice for this number of hours. Mm. Yeah. You know? And uh, nowadays when you're sick, people are more uh, worried. But in the past, if you're sick, you had a gig, you just drag yourself there, right? You do it. Yeah. You feel yeah. like you're having the worst day of your life. Uh, nobody cares. Yeah. Right? It- Turn up, do your thing, and then... Yeah. yeah, and as performers, um, there are many of the times whereby we cannot prioritize family over our work. Mm. Like, there were... Okay, so so in my case, right, when my sister got married, I couldn't attend her wedding at all because uh, her, mar- her, her ceremony was in China. Okay. And then I had a rehearsal here and then the orchestra didn't let me go. Mm, yeah so so things like that like there were there will be a lot of things you need to give up because of your job so yeah these are I guess these are things that students don't see right Mm. yeah these are uh, the things (laughs) yeah when when I I guess the older we get the more we value things like that the more we understand the importance of the wedding day of a sibling the more Mm. we understand that you know maybe when we are 16 we don't feel like oh you Wedding, wedding all, and like, uh, if I yeah. get there, I'm not there, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. But as we get older, we, we do realize the significance of all these events. Especially when it's this. family, yeah. Correct. I feel, yeah. Correct. Yeah. People who you are very close with and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and part of my concern uh, with giving advice to students who said that they want to pursue music is that uh, I think in the, at least, in the Western music or the, the band scene, if I may say, uh, what me and a couple of my friends are observing is that uh, we have this sort of bottleneck in in the work that's, being, that's available. So I remember when I was in NAFA, uh, I got my first teaching gig when I was 18. So basically, if you want to put it very plainly, right now what I'm doing versus what I'm doing when I was 18, is more or less the same scope of work. But the pay has gotten uh, a little bit better, for sure. Mm. Yeah, But the scope of work has more or less been been the same. It's mm. tutorship in mm. schools. You know, I've not gotten into band directing. So, yeah. And, you know, this has been 12 years, you know, since then that I've been doing this. And really, if I have a student now, they have to wait for not only me, but people above them, immediately above them, to give up their opportunities before some sort of work will flow down to them. Of course, like you said, if they manage to crop up something on their own, fantastic. Mm. You should, yeah, you have a, you, for sure you're going to have a good career. Mm. But that, of course, requires a lot of work. And 
it's only normal that I guess students will emulate their career after their teachers. Uh. Right? Because you see that happening in your life. So I, I want to be like that or I want to do that. Uh. And if they end up thinking that they can do what I do and make a living, they have uh. to wait for me to stop my job and retire and put everything aside before it gets to them. I think I have a slightly different take. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that um, people of our generation or younger has a better view of what the kids are, as in the, the students nowadays. Uh, we have a better view of what they are going through as compared to those who are above us. Mm-hmm. Like the older generations, they used to, um, I don't know for the Western side, but for Chinese side, they used to just say, I ask you to do this, you do this. Okay, then we'll just follow. But then... <laughs> yes, yes, exactly for, the same. Yeah. For us, we will think about um, different ways to teach. Mm. So, in my opinion, it... Um, okay, it could be a little bad to say this, but then I feel that um, having people who understand your kids better can teach them better. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not denying that the older generation cannot teach well it's just mm. that it's a different generation so yep. sometimes they understand things in a different way yeah so i don't think it's a um i don't think there will be no jobs for the younger people yeah have to be more it's, it's a very saturated circle mm. yeah yeah and it, they have to be patient in a way mm. yeah and to a, to a certain extent uh, as teachers we need to also give them a hand to break into at least make their first break, right? Mm. I think. Uh, I mean, we are not solely responsible, but if we can, I think we should, or we th- think that they're capable of it. Mm. We should definitely give them a slight push. Yeah. And then it's up to them to, to make See something. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Grab it with both hands and run with it or just sort of like fizzle out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and she, your point that you brought up about this sort of difference in uh, teaching. Approach. Mm. Yeah segue really nicely to our next point, which is when you are studying in NAFA, I mean, the amount, the, the quality of the Chinese instrumentalists during that time was mm-hmm. unbelievable, right? It's insane. <laughs> that couple of years. I think um, most of you ended up, uh, you know, like yourself in orchestras or playing in our professional groups in other professional groups in Singapore, mm. doing their own uh, creative projects, you know, doing well for themselves, really. And looking back, right, if you could talk about uh, maybe not for sure why it happened, but what were the factors that attributed to this level of or this generation of musicians? And once again, let's talk about the, the methods in the past versus the method that you use right now? In the past, the teachers use hard work and hard work and then like scolding and then punishing, <laughs> which we cannot use now. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll get banished from the school. <laughs> but yeah, we really, have to find like, another employer. Well, yeah. in primary school, right? Like, if we mm. don't practice, we were supposed to hold the instrument under the sun. Okay. Like, now we are not able to do that. We cannot even let the child walk under the sun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, mm. okay, but but then again, um, because, like, the teachers have such practices, right? One of the, the practices that I still use now is mm-hmm. that 
if let's say you get this this bar or, or this phrase wrongly all the time, you practice it and you make sure you do it 10 consecutive times correctly. Okay. Then you can proceed to the next phrase, which mm. I think it still works. Even oh, yeah, for the for kids sure. nowadays. Yeah. Mm. But um, in a way, it it nurtures this child's um, patience. Mm. Yeah. Because uh, there are a lot of... I mean, the, the, the world is so fast now. The kids are not exactly as patient as we were. So I mm. think this thing can set them down. Through this practice, you can actually see whether the child is willing to to push himself further. Mm. Mm. Which I think is good. Yay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think you you then get to see the reaction of the, the particular uh, student as well. Mm. How they react to uh, this sort of uh, a system or regime. Mm. Because... Uh, they will very quickly realize that consistency in the arts mm. or in music is extremely challenging, mm. right? Yeah. Repeating something 10 consecutive times correctly, any moment you lose a bit of concentration, boom. Gone. Redo right? it. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. I don't care, right? The last note of your last repetition, mm. if you play a wrong note, we go back to the start again. Yeah. Right? We start the count again. So, yeah, definitely, I think you can then see how students will react to to such things. And mm. some of them will be like, ah, oh, man, I'll just do it again. Yeah. And some, and some are of like, them will just, ah, can you please just count that on? No, just redo yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I think, I think like, like uh, methods like that will still work for even our future generations. But, mm. Uh, methods like whatever I say you must do I, I think this 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 kind of method will not work because it doesn't mm. work for me for me okay. as a learner I need to understand why if yeah. I don't understand why I cannot process at all mm. yeah so yeah and I think a lot of kids nowadays they are very curious they will mm. ask like why so I will search for answers and then I'll try to feed them with them correct yeah so yeah I think that's the difference with um generations I guess mm -hmm. yeah not that I'm very young la, but we are the we are the the bridge we are the bridge mm. in the middle right yeah yes. uh, then wh what about the your your sort of your peers and your class and people who are sort of in a rebels your age group who are having wonderful careers in music how, how did how do you think this happened like how do you have like such a big pool of musicians that are successful now because something must have been done correctly then for you guys to be reaping the rewards now, isn't it? That's a very good question. I've never thought about it before. But I think um, because we, um, we are all humans, right? We make friends. Mm. And then when you see, and we, um, at least for my instrument, we were playing in an ensemble setting since young like when we were in mm. SYT so okay. uh, we sort of grew together like wherever we went so for example um, Clara and Sophie we mm. met in SYT and then we went to SYCO and then we met in NAFA we were classmates yeah. so so like like different points of life we will still meet and then like we will push each other I guess mm. Mm. so even like different instruments when I uh 
like we 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 had the same theory class when we were in SYT, and then we eventually just meet each other in different points of life again. Mm. So so like, whenever you don't see someone, you're like, hey, how come this person never play anymore or what? Then you go and find out, like, hey, mm. like if you see this person on the streets, hey, you never play already, ah, come and play with us, lah. You know, that kind. Okay. And then people yeah. will come back and then play together. And then, I don't know. Then we just grow together, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sounds, a, sounds really nice, mm, actually. Yeah. I don't know what is the exact reason. Mm, <laughs> but yeah. this is what I see. Uh. Mm. Mm, yeah, and for sure, I think all, the, all your teachers should be extremely proud of all of your achievements. Hopefully. Oh. <laughs> Uh, final question before I let uh-huh. you go. Uh, so uh, the trajectory of a career is is wonderful, right? Uh-huh. Uh, really, if I think you look at it, I mean, to a large extent, it couldn't have gone any smoother, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think gra- graduating from uh, music, uh, from university, and then straight into having a job in orchestra, I think that's uh, a, a lot of people's dreams, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. Dream of that. Uh, but I'm sure in your career and in your time as a musician, there are a lot of moments that you're like, oh, what if I've done things a little bit differently? What if I've done that or something else? Uh, were there any, uh, or are there still any what if moments that you question that what if I chose to go down this other path huh. and not, where would I be at at the moment? I think it's like, anything that will go wrong will go wrong. So I think, uh, no, I don't. I don't think like there's any what if moments. There are moments mm. that I regret not doing, but okay. because I didn't do those, so something else happens. Mm. Yeah. So I don't think I actually have any regrets like that. Okay. Mm. But I think I. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I. I don't think. I don't think I'll consider those regrets. Yeah. Right. Right. That that's good, and I think yeah, I think the way you frame it is quite, quite nice. It pretty much saying that everything kind of happens for a reason. Mm. If something don't happen, something else will happen. Yeah. And yeah. But and, but I I think, um, we cannot, like expect like for example, if I don't do, this thing, and then something else will happen immediately. Whatever mm-hmm. happened to me, did not happen immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So I was like, um dwelling that I didn't I didn't manage to do this certain thing and then mm. maybe four or five months down the road I'm like oh actually luckily I didn't do this thing if not I'll be in a different place now right yeah, right. yeah. so uh, sometimes we shouldn't we shouldn't be too sad that something didn't happen mm. yeah we should just co- try to continue with life right if we are able to <laughs> Right, fair enough, fair enough. And it, you know, it's it's never too late to learn how to pour a gin and tonic. Yes, uh, definitely so. <laughs> going to do that one day. Yeah, uh, you should, yeah. Skills future it or something. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, tell you what, I went on a coffee course recently uh. with my skills future credit, like brewing coffee. So I'm pretty sure there's something there for, for like bartending or like cocktail making or something like that. So yeah, so if you have the time, but I think you're a very busy I will person. try to find the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, fantastic. And I think this is a good point where we wrap up the conversation. Mm. Uh, thank you so much, Minhui, for taking your time out to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. 
all good, all good. Yeah, and thank you for your very honest sharing. And you know, sometimes really, I think our our jobs are not as straightforward as people think. There are a lot of yeah other sort of emotions that's attached to it as well. Especially when we are musicians, right? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thank you once again. Uh, take care of yourself and see you around soon. Oh, I think. Yeah, thank probably you. Uh, on on stage somewhere. Or at um double shot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm there more often than you think. It's a little bit worrying, I think. But yeah, so I think, yeah, hopefully see you around again. Yes. Yeah, thank thank you so much once again for coming on to the show. And for all of you listening, thank you very much for your attention and staying with us throughout this episode. And with that, we will sign off on this episode of You Play A What. You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algirdas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time. Thank you.